0: What's
1: up, everybody? We doing well? Hi, thank you. Thank you, Joe. Uh, well, I'm excited. Uh, number one, because the Atlanta Braves are in town, and I have had the privilege to watch them whoop on our home team Royals, which I know that you guys care about so much. Actually, none of you do, because you probably don't watch the Royals anymore, because they don't, they're not winning anymore. So, is that fair? Any of you still just holding on? Anyone? There's a couple of you, and then how many of you are just like, yeah, I'll wait until they get get into a pennant race again. It's April, it's April. yeah, that's cool, yeah. Anyway, uh, Maisie, uh, yeah, we right now we're kind of having this conversation with Maisie about because I'm from Atlanta and how our family will be rooting for sports teams that are from Atlanta, and she's trying to tell me, well, I'm from Kansas City and I want to root for Kansas City, and and I said. You can do that, and luckily, I don't care for the Falcons, and I like the Chiefs, and the Royals and the Braves will never, ever play each other in the World Series, so we're going to be just fine. Um, We are starting a new series. We'll talk about that in two seconds. It was called Love Your Neighbor, uh, by the way, and um, whenever I think about Love Your Neighbor, I just instantly think about this man and this, this picture, which... I can't guess anyone else just when you see neighbor, it's like instantly I think about Mr. Rogers. I just can't help it. Um, But we're not going to be talking about him today. We're going to be talking about the great commandment. Uh, When Cassie and I first moved to Kansas City, uh, we moved uh, when we were in our, she's been mostly in her 20s, but when I was in my 20s. And uh, we moved and we lived in an apartment like in Overland Park. And then we bought our first house in Olathe. Uh, Like way out, like at 151st and Merlin ish is where we used to live. Nice house in a cul de sac, and it had this amazing feature uh, called a two car garage. And uh, because right now where I live uh, in Prairie Village, like it seems like there's to have a two car garage is like a a luxury. Uh, To even have a garage in some places is a luxury. And uh, one of my favorite features about this two-car garage was when I would come home after work and I'd see all these people and these kids out and about, I would hit this magical button that would open up my garage door. And it would open up my garage door and I was able just to pull my car into my garage and hit that magical button again and it would close behind me and I would go into my house and never talk to my neighbor. <laughs> it was glorious. <laughs> In all transparency, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm one of those guys, and we're not. I'm not asking for a show of hands if that's just kind of how you're wired. I'm i believe it or not, I am a little bit more um, introverted, so I do like to like time away from people to recharge away from people. Uh, but that was one of my favorite parts. Uh, and I you, I might be joking, but I'm actually hundred percent honest. If I'm being Truly vulnerable. Uh, another favorite invention of mine uh, more recently uh, anyone just like love Bluetooth headphones? Like, just love them. Like, they're great. Like, I, I uh, am an Apple fan. I know that that's might be silly if you're one of those uh, PC guys, which is cool. But I grew up and they have indoctrinated me as that Apple is the way. This is the way. And, um, and so, uh, thank you, Soren. And uh, and so, you know, anytime Apple gets something new, I'm like, I gotta try that thing. I have to, although I am wearing a Garmin watch, so there you go. But it's because I've tried an Apple watch before and I didn't like it. I was like, no, this isn't that great. Garmin watch, way better. I'm not trying to support Garmin, I'm just saying this is just my reality. So, but every now and then, Apple comes up with a product that does change my life. And I will say this, like the iPhone, that changed my life. I remember when the, you could actually afford an iPhone when I was in college, it was like amazing. AirPods, holy cow, right? Amazing. Although they got to figure out the microphone thing because when I talk to people, like I sound like I'm in a windstorm because Jake knows I talk to him all the time in it. Um, but another cool thing about AirPods is it's changed the way that I interact with human beings uh, in public, right? Because I can put my AirPods in at the grocery store, pretty much anywhere, and I now have the right to ignore you because I can go, because i can't hear you right and i love doing it because then like after church i have this uh, thing where i go to the grocery store i kind of decompress a little bit get a couple things for the week headphones in and it's awesome right just another way completely way to ignore people um and then and then something crazy happened in 2020 which we all experienced was we all had to deal with uh, the covid pandemic right the 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 we had to deal with social distancing, and not only were like, uh, where was it okay to to social distance yourself? You were actually being encouraged uh, by you know society that for the betterment of the community, we should distance ourselves from other human beings, and all not all, but a lot of us, us introverted people were like, that was a really nice time. Um, And some of us, and even you know, not not like all of the 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 sickness of like just simply just the distancing part was just really nice, and uh, some of us might still be kind of coming back from that. But I, uh, interesting enough, in my own life, I am realizing some of the impacts that uh, that even distancing for a period of time, and then even being out in public, but just like having to wear masks and having to distance yourself even more. I, I'm acknowledging, like, when I start getting around a larger group of people, like, I start getting, like, lower levels of anxiety for some reason. And I don't know why. Like, it was a beautiful day outside. I think last, was it, two Fridays ago, the grandparents had Maisie. And so Cass and I went out somewhere, like, Hall just to hang out. And all these people were there. And it freaked me out. Like, is there's just something going on, something stirring inside of me. And uh, I say a lot of this jokingly. Um, but I, I, I don't think it's completely healthy for like the behavior that I'm kind of joking about like for, for myself. Like Yeah, every now and then you need to have boundaries and space, but like to actually isolate myself, and for you, maybe if you're like a, aligning with me, to isolate yourself from other people, uh, might not be what God is calling me to do as a follower of Jesus. And uh, instead, I, I do think that God might actually bring people into my life so that I can minister to them, and so I, that I can engage with them as well. And so, this next series for introverts, it might be a little bit stretching because it's gonna challenge you to be. Uh, in relationship with people, to even push to have relationships when it might even be uncomfortable at first, uh, and or it also might be challenging because we're going to ask you to be intentional with spe- some specific people uh, that are very near uh, to you. But but we're going to be starting a new series in the next couple of weeks, and the invitation I'm going to invite you to participate with us in. It's not just a, it's not just a, I hear a message on a Sunday and then I'm good and I'm going to go live about my life. This is a very probably one of the most practical messages that we've given, being at Mission City Church, uh, and even in our existence. Uh, and it's going to be more of an experience. And the the hope of this is to actually reach uh, some of the people that are actually nearest to us, literally. So here's the big question that we're that we're asking, and that I'm asking, is this: So what would happen if every believer? In Kansas City, or even at Mission City, just if you even scale it down. But what would happen if every believer made an attempt to build relationships with the people and the eight households that are closest to them? Like, what would actually happen if we took the Great Commandment literally—the uh, second part of it? Or we should take the first one part of it too, of loving God with everything that we have. But what would happen if we took it literally that we would actually love the eight closest families to us? Now, you might be like. I live in an apartment, and so like it's a little bit different. Like, do I go up and down? Do I, like how do I do it to my floor? Like, how does this work? And I was actually trying to think about like how could someone find a loophole in this? I think the only current loophole would be is like if you live out of your van. You know what I mean? <laughs> like down by the river. Like live live in your van down by the river. But it, other, it, it's not it's not too strange to think like we actually had a no he didn't live in his van he worked in his van uh, but we there like people now uh, on at least social media, they seem to be enjoying their lives, like micro-living and living out of their vans. But all of us, for the most part, I'm actually going to say this, all of us live somewhere, right? And all of us have neighbors. Now, some of us might live on some land, and it's a little bit harder for us, but but I do believe like, that we can reach people that are close to us. And so I have a pastor friend who dreams about it a little bit differently. He says it, he says it a little bit differently. He says it like this. Uh, he, he pastors, he's a part of Casey Underground, and he had planted a church that kind of came up under them. And, uh, but he, he talks about this, like, what would happen if every believer or, or the church began to own the losses of their, their city? And we'd start with our neighbors. Meaning that you and I took responsibility to say, hey, there's people in our communities that don't know Jesus, and I am now, I'm not going to leave it up to the churches or the, the function of the churches or the, the programs of the churches to reach these people like I as a member or a follower of Jesus am going to participate in in what, what God is doing by owning the losses of my neighborhood, starting with my street, starting with the people that live closest to me. And so the, the goal of this series is to inspire and to equip us, hopefully, to become a neighborhood catalysts that move uh, ourselves from strangers to acquaintances and from acquaintances to relationships. And so we'll talk about some simple practical steps that we're gonna take, and hopefully won't be as terrifying as you might already think about it being. Um, and I promise we'll get to these cards, but not yet. Okay, so we're gonna be okay. Hang tight. Still, don't make a paper airplane uh, or doodle on all of. Don't play tic-tac-toe on the boxes, please. Just um, be a waste of paper. How dare you? Um, so, but uh, again, the, the invitation is to invite you to participate uh, with us as well. But ultimately, what we're doing, the the biggest thing, what we're doing is is we're actually taking. Literally, this this great commandment. And there's power and genius in the great commandment uh, that is so simple, that is so extremely powerful if we actually acted on it. Uh, and so, and it could yield just such an incredible impact and such a simple thing. And and like Joe and Megan, they're doing this thing and they've they've talked about it and dreamed about this thing. They have a passion for this area of with this bottle drive, stuff like that. Like you might have something like that, but you also might be like, I have no idea how God wants to use me. Guess what? This is a very simple, practical command that 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 you can be used by God today. You don't have to wait or dream up something else as well. It's right in front of you. It's right across the street from you. It's right next door to you. It's right there as well. So let's look at the Great Commandment. If you open up your Bibles to Luke chapter ten, uh, or, or your phones or your smartphones or your tablet, if you have whatever you use the Bible. Uh, should we? Yeah, I, I've been I've been feeling bad that I preach from an iPad and I need to get a real Bible. But then I thought, like, how many people bring real Bibles? Just know if it's And I'm not trying to shame you. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll bring one, too. All right. Um, but uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 is where we're going to start. So famous passage, it goes like this. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. This is, he's putting Jesus to the test, which that doesn't always go so well. So saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus responds to him, and he says, what is written in the law? And how do you read it? Now, I want to stop right there. I will say this. I love what Jesus asked him. I love this um, in an era where uh, we are uh, we being church leaders and pastors. Now there's things that we absolutely believe that we affirm as believers, as being Christian, that are that are you know doctrine and things like that too. But I love this question of what is uh, how do you read it? Jesus' invitation to him is. Hey, so what's your interpretation of it? This is how one does Bible study with friends: uh, is reading a passage of scripture together and asking a question. Hey, so what's your interpretation of that now? And during this day, he what would happen is uh, a lot of guys would follow different rabbis or different teachers, and so these teachers would have their different spin or their different influences that would influence their reading. And together they would find this group smart, uh, maybe better understanding by. Dialoguing around what their reading of it was, but I like that too because that's that's how you learn from someone. And so, if you're ever reading the Bible with someone or, or taking someone through the Scriptures, let them read and then say, "Hey, so what do you think this says? What do you think this is, is saying? What, what's your understanding here?" And then together, this is what sharpens one another. This is not what the sermon is, but this is this is this is in some ways also not a this is Jesus too. Like Jesus knows the reading of it; he knows the meaning of it. Uh, but, what, but it allows us to have a humble dialoguing well between one another. So this is how I would encourage you to read the scripture with other people. Uh, it's a great way to ask people questions too if they're doubting or having questions about their faith. And then the, the person answers. He says in verse 27, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and, all, and, and your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said, "You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live." And so, this is the great commandment. If you've never been exposed to this before, uh, Jesus is quoting two different passages, or, or excuse me, the guy's quoting two different passages. He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter six, which is uh, the it's called the Shema in in, in kind of the in, in the Jewish tradition. But it is it is the it is the great commandment: love God with your whole self. And then he's also quoting Leviticus as well, with the loving your neighbor as yourself and uh and then what happens and then what happens verse 29 the lawyer asks him who is my neighbor next slide and and to justify himself he said to jesus and who is my neighbor and so why why do you think he's asking that question based on how jesus responds it seems like he's asking that question because he's looking for a loophole uh, the ex- expert is of the law is actually trying to define exactly where like where is the boundary like so where is the extent of my love where can I stop loving people and what he was really wanting to do based on what Jesus is talking about is culturally he would have loved and and, and would have cared for uh, the other Jewish people that live near him and in the story the Jesus introduces a guy named that is a Samaritan to him for us it would be like um, this is how commentators say it. This isn't my words; these are their words. But it'd be like us uh, being called to like love a terrorist. It would be it, it would legitimately, especially like around nine eleven. Like if you would say this would be to the extent of like you need to love like someone that was a part of that movement. Uh, you need to love a terrorist that that is actually wanting to attack a country. That's the extent of of kind of what neighboring would be. Like that's how far you need to go. But uh, it's interesting that the. Um, the the lawyer asked this because I think I kind of do this like I think I kind of look for loopholes myself. I I, I literally f- try to find what not not intentionally all the time, but there are times where I I, I imagine. Um, you know, if you would imagine all of the, the good things that you're supposed to do as, as a Christian, like probably what we used to do when I was in Sunday school growing up, and there was like, a, you're supposed to read your Bible and have a memory verse and care for the poor and the neighbor. Like, I, as you think about your life, it's like, sometimes am I just like checking the boxes of this, and, and so that I can say like, I'm good, as opposed to actually kind of finding the, the, the ethos or like the soul of what is actually being commanded here. And so this is what this lawyer is doing. He's trying to find the, the bare minimum or, or the limit so that he can be okay and that would also like, cause him not to love someone else. And so he tells this story, which we'll say, I'll read really briefly, but he tells this story about three people who pass by someone in need. Uh, it goes in uh, verse 30. So Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And by the way, uh, that is a very hilly, dangerous road. If Whenever we take our uh, Mission City uh, Holy Land trip, which apparently I found some interest for, so we'll start working on that, by the way, maybe a couple of years from now. Uh, but you will get to see Jericho, and you'll get to see Jerusalem, and uh, you'll see the, how crazy it literally is going down from the city that's on a hill. And, uh, and he fell among robbers because there's a lot of these windy turns in this kind of mountainous, desertous region, and they, they stripped him, and uh, they stripped him, beat him, and, de- and, and departed leaving him half dead, but now by chance a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, if you're familiar with this, he passed on the other side. Uh, so likewise a Levite uh, came, and when he, he came to the place and he saw him, and he passed on the other side. So basically, uh, for context, uh, man falls, we don't know where the man is from, but he's talking to a Jewish audience, so you assume it's a Jewish person probably worshiping in Jerusalem, coming back down. A priest, a Jewish priest, ignores him. Uh, a Levite ignores him, verse 33. And then, but a Samaritan, which is the person I said would be like a terrorist to us, is journeying and came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion, which is like this stirring from the innermost being. It's just powerful, deep conviction almost. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then set him on his own animal. So he, 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 he took care of him. Uh, bandaged him up, he gave him his animal to carry him and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took two uh, denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying take care of him, whatever you spend I will repay you when I come back. Uh, next slide. And then Jesus asks, which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And of course, it's simple, That's not even a question, right? Uh, he said the one who showed him mercy and Jesus says go and do likewise. And I, this is such a pow- powerful story. The Samaritan meets the physical, material, financial, emotional needs of the man on his path. So, like, really, if you're wanting to know, in some ways, like, what are the qualifications of neighboring, uh, it would be meeting physical, material, financial, and emotional needs. Like, he, he paid for this man to be taken care of, he took care of his, his, his stuff, he, he cared for him, uh, and it was amazing. And he did it for multiple days as well. Now, this teaching. Uh, is that like the conclusion of this? Is that there is no boundary for who my neighbor is? Is really kind of what what I've taught before, and I don't disagree with that to this day. Like every this means everyone is, can be your neighbor. Uh, every then I instantly go Mister Rogers. Anytime I think about neighbor, sorry, but everyone is your neighbor, and you should love every single one. So like if you're like me you might be thinking uh like according to this story my coworker, uh, the parents on my kids team the person i served a short-term mission trip all are my neighbors and this is true like there's this is no doubt there isn't a loophole to get out of neighboring but what it doesn't do is it doesn't somehow lessen the fact that our literal neighbors like the people that actually live next to you are still your neighbors uh, and so the only problem is, is that in some ways it can create a loophole for me personally to actually not love my neighbors. Because when I love everyone else, uh, I don't have the time to intentionally love my neighbors. Uh, if I'm aiming for everyone, because everyone is my neighbor, then oftentimes I end up loving no one. And so what this challenge is, what this invitation is, what this series is going to be about is it's, it, it is it's taking intentional time. Uh, about where I'm spending my time and energy to point people to Jesus. And, and we are inviting this community, Mission City Church, to specifically say, we are literally going to love our actual neighbors. I'm not saying don't love your coworkers. I'm not saying if you have a big dream or passion about where God wants to use you that you should keep doing that. I'm saying that, 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 that I, I still believe that God wants us to call, uh, our, our, our call you to love your little neighbors. Um, and, and like, if God is calling you and using you somewhere else, please keep being used by God in that way. Keep reaching people and pointing people to Jesus as well. But great things will happen when we begin building relationships with those who live closest to us. Uh, and then, uh, and then God will work out things from there. And so, uh, it's funny. So I've been preparing this sermon and, uh, this book, there's a book that, uh, it's called The Art of Neighboring that I've heard about for years that I've just Either not had time to read or ignore to read but I was kind of praying about what to go into after our, our Easter series Mosaic and I really felt like God put this book on my mind like just the Holy Spirit just hey read the art of neighboring and so I started reading it and it's I think it's really good it's powerful um, and ironically enough as I was like All right, I think we're gonna do a series on this uh, I start seeing my neighbors everywhere now which is funny because I tried to not see them Uh, You might be like, well, duh, Russell, it's spring. Have you been outside like the last two weeks? As Ryan reminded me, today it ends apparently because the weather's been beautiful for two weeks and then goodbye, welcome to Kansas. Um, It's going to be nasty and cold this next week. So, but um, I'm I'm not kidding you. Like I saw my neighbor, my old neighbor to, uh, that's if I'm facing away from my house to the left, I saw the lady that works on the plants, like has a beautiful yard behind me. Uh, who I uh, avoid uh, because my dog barks at her and I feel very self-conscious because she works out there all the time. And if you know my dog Bentley, he likes to bark. and literally just barks and keeps barking unless I call him in. So, but they're just always there. And yesterday I'm coming home, and I have some groceries and my other neighbor, who the, the only one I've actually really talked to, literally sits and talks to me for like 25 minutes. And I'm like, what the heck is happening here? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm like, the moment I even like sort of open it, like I'm still like, I'm on board, but like there's still, in, I have a full truth, anxiety, and security about talking to my neighbors because uh, what if they don't like me? What if I don't like them? Like, what if they have, like, real needs and, like, I can meet them, but then I don't have the time to Or it's, like, a lot of stress. Like, there's a lot of questions going on up in here, right? And then God's, like, starting to bring people uh, out, and so uh, it's crazy. So, but how, how do we actually love our neighbor? So now it's time. I know everyone's so excited for this sheet. I know how nervous you are. Does everyone have one of these? So uh, who is my neighbor? We're going to do a little exercise, so it should be really fun. All right, so at the center, uh, which it says, you are here. Everyone see this? It says you are here. Everyone have one? Can, and uh, I'd like, for spouses, if you, uh, if you like, uh, don't, don't do one for the family. I'd love to see if you could uh, do, do them separately and don't cheat, because uh, you might have different responses. So, uh, but, so you're here, and then what I want you to do, take some time, and I want you to write down the, just the names of the adults of the eight closest households. That are near you so like for me i live in a neighborhood i live on a street so it's very simple for me i got three houses behind me i got two next to me i got three in front of me if you don't uh if you live in an apartment just the eight you know maybe apartment numbers or eight people close to you could be above you below you uh if you're like jake and you live and you uh, an eye doctor lives behind you like just think about neighbors that maybe a little bit wider so all right so write down And full transparency, it is okay if you don't know them, because I don't know mine. So just full transparency, it's okay. We're not gonna shame you, only a little, I'm just kidding. But just write down if you know, just write down. We'll take a few minutes and do that. Should have some Jeopardy theme music or something about, I should have the Mr. Rogers, Beautiful day, Day in the Neighborhood, that would have been a good idea. Anyway, Yeah, just take a few minutes. Uh, You guys just moved so it doesn't really count. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. All right. And their actual names, too, not like the information about them. (laughs) Um, So, like, I was telling Cassie we were doing this, and she's like, well, I know that lady because there was an accident at this intersection, and her house was hit by a car. I was like, but that's not her name. (laughs) All right, are we good? Close enough? All right, so... uh, We will honor if any of you know all eight of your closest neighbors. So does anyone know all eight of your closest neighbors? Show of hands. One, two, three, yeah, three. Okay, yeah, so that's pretty good. It's usually about, it's usually under 10% of a room. So we're a little on the low side of that, but uh, that's okay. Uh, I'm not gonna go any more, I'm not gonna make you tell, I'll just tell you how many I know. I know two of my neighbors, okay? I've lived there for a year. Ernie lives to my, this is the old guy. He's lived in his house for 50 years. And I met him, talked to him. And then there's a couple uh, named Kale and Allison and they live right next to us. That's the guy I talked to for like 25 minutes yesterday. So that's it. Uh, That's the only people I know. And and so if you're feeling like, um, I know we might have some Enneagram ones in the room um, and you might be feeling really like you let me down right now (laughs) or you let yourself down. You didn't. It's okay because you didn't know this was coming. But that's what the invitation is That's what the invitation is is going to be. The, the first step, right? The first step of loving your neighbors is learning your neighbor's names. That's it. That's the challenge is that you are going to commit to learning your neighbor's names. Now, if you're great uh, and you're, you're already good at this, so some people are really good at this already. Uh, maybe you need to finish out the, the, a few names, but then you take the next step of like what... Do, what do you, do you know more about your neighbors? Like what else do you know about your neighbors? Uh, and then finally, like maybe getting to deep deeper things with them is kind of the, th- the third step or third layer of this as well. But for many of us, it's going to be, is I'm going to take time to learn uh, someone's name. Uh, in, order, in order to love someone, it might be helpful to know their name. Is that fair? Uh, and again, I'm not trying to shame you. It's just—it's just the reality, right? In order to love someone, it might be very fair to to to, to know their name. First step towards uh, to learn their name, and, and it's crazy also how the the name changing a name from like "Hey, bro" or "Hey, dude" to like "Hey, Brian," like how that changes, right? <laughs> like, there's just something like, oh, he actually knows me, or they or she knows me. Uh, and again, what could happen? Uh, If everyone here made an effort to learn and retain the names uh, of, of your eight closest neighbors that God has placed around you. Because God has placed you in this time and season for a reason. Like you exist exactly when you were supposed to exist. You are alive here and now for a purpose and you live exactly where you're supposed to live. For a purpose, you have the neighbors that you have for a purpose. Acts seventeen, when when Paul is in the temple uh, of the unknown god, uh, or he finds a statue to the temple of the, or to to an unknown god, and then he makes a statement, but he also says this Acts seventeen twenty six and twenty seven. He says, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined what allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. They should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each of us. Acts 17, 26 and 27, that God has determined as where, like the time that you are here and also where you live so that uh, he's placed you in your neighborhood for a specific reason, that when, when other people might be reaching out for God or, or might be being poor or being called by God, that you would be maybe some handles or some guides for them as they are searching for God. So you don't live uh, in your neighborhood for an accident. You live there for a reason. And so God puts you there. And so this is the invitation. And again, you don't have to participate, but I would strongly encourage you to. Uh, but as, as people who genuinely believe that, that Jesus, is our Savior, that God has saved us by the the death and resurrection of Jesus. We're going to celebrate his sacrifice for us in a moment as we take communion together. As people who genuinely believe that Jesus is the King and Savior of the world, that we have hope where other people don't have hope, and that he is placed you specifically for a reason. And he's giving you a simple command. This is literally the greatest command. He says the whole law, and other passages of scripture talk about the whole law is summed up in these two commands of love God and love your neighbor. The simplest thing that we can do, like to take it literally, is to take it literally. And uh, somebody was talking about this concept too, is like you know the whole broader, like everyone's my neighbor, which they are, I'm not saying it's not. But like to figure out how to love everyone and to reach everyone all that stuff too, like that's almost like the calculus part of math. Like literally loving your actual neighbors is like going back to kindergarten, this commandment. Because it's the most simple, straightforward thing. Who is my actual neighbor and how can I love them? How can I care for them? And so that's the invitation for us. so what would happen if, 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 if we took Jesus' words literally and actually loved our neighbor? So the, the, the challenge for you this week, the practical application for you this week, is begin filling out the rest of this. I would encourage you, you guys still have magnets on your fridges. Uh, some people don't because like they're too cool for their fridges too cool for a magnet, um, which I don't know what that even means, but uh, it's actually a really funny pun if you really play that out because it's a fridge and it's cool, but I'll just leave that there for you. Um, still didn't get it. All right. Um, You'll, you'll, you'll get that on the way out. Um, so, but yeah, put this on uh, put this on your fridge and begin filling it out. It'll also help for you too, because as you see this on your fridge, like I'm gonna put my two names and then I'm gonna probably sometime tomorrow when my neighbor goes and works on her flowers, I'm gonna brave going outside and apologizing for my dog, and then I'm gonna learn her name. Um, so, but yeah, if, well, let's, let's commit to doing this. We're going to keep talking about this for the next couple of weeks and, and we're going to build off of this too. So and just invite you to begin working on learning your neighbor's names. If you already know them all, uh, take the next step of what maybe God leads you and, and how could you know your neighbors or love or care for your neighbors a little bit more. So let me pray invite uh, Joel and them to come back up and then we'll, t- we'll go into a time response. So Lord Jesus, uh, thank you so much. That you have given us clear commands uh, on what to do. You said this is the this is the greatest commandment. What what to do to inherit eternal life? To love you with our whole selves, and to love our neighbor. And God, may we we literally do this. May we literally love our neighbors. And uh, God, just pray for wisdom on how to do that. Got to pray for a favor with our neighbors, um, even just opportunities. Um, God, would you give us boldness? When, if like me, there's times where I get anxious or nervous, uh, God, would even would you even create space that we would intentional space? We don't need two hours a day to do this, God. We need five minutes, ten minutes to do this. To say, hey, I haven't had a chance to introduce myself. I'm so and so. I'm so sorry. It's taking me this long. And God, from these relationships, God, ultimately would we point people to you, the, the the hope and Savior of our our lives? and the hope and Savior of the world. So we love you, and we lift this up to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Merriam Community Center off Slater Street between Johnson Drive and Shawnee Mission Parkway. We also have five community groups that meet throughout the KC Metro. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or send me an email at jake at missioncitykc.com.